0: This episode of Zero to Travels brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. I've got an incredible show for you today, my friend. I got to sit down in person and have a chat with Arling Kaga, who is a man of many firsts. He is a legendary explorer and adventurer. Back in 1990, he reached the North Pole without support as part of a two-man team. They were the very first people to do that. Then in 92, 93, he did a solo unsupported expedition to the South Pole. He was the first person to ever do that. 50 days walking alone across Antarctica. Can you imagine that? No contact with anybody. And that's one of the topics that we cover in this wide-ranging interview. We talk about silence. I mean, he spent 50 days In silence, no radio contact, by himself, walking across Antarctica. Imagine that. Put yourself there. It's an incredible physical feat, of course, but also mentally. What's it like to be in silence for that long? I couldn't wait to talk about his book, Silence in the Age of Noise, and why silence is such an important part of our lives as humans. And we talk about a whole bunch of other stuff in this interview. You know, he also climbed Mount Everest, by the way, in 94, which made him the first person to complete what's called the Three Poles Challenge on foot. And back in 2010, he did a five-day long walk through the sewers of New York (laughs) to the Atlantic Ocean in 2012. He walked the entire length of LA's Sunset Boulevard. He's a walker. I'm a walker, too. I love to walk. So we do talk about walking. We talk about silence. Travel, of course, and so much more. Let's get into it. Thanks for being here, and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero
1: to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business
0: opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for hanging out, letting me bring a little travel into your ears today. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms, to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. You heard my enthusiasm at the top of the show. I mean, I get to sit down with a legendary, iconic explorer and adventurer. I never in my wildest dreams... I thought I'd be able to have conversations with incredible people like Arling Kaga, but through this podcast, and thanks to you in this community for listening, keeping this show going for the last seven plus years, I get to have these conversations. I'm so fortunate, and I'm so excited to bring you this one, I and mean, you've heard about Arling's accomplishments, and I thought, you know, he's written this book called Silence in the Age of Noise. It is a very noisy world right now, as you know, and I do think silence is one of the most undervalued and underappreciated, I don't want to say, things we can do as humans, give ourselves silence. You know, we're always busy, a lot of us. We're consuming a lot. We can listen to audiobooks and podcasts and read, and there's so much information out there, so much knowledge, and it's so exciting to learn and to take in knowledge, but there's a lot of wisdom to be gained from silence as well. And if you're like me, sometimes it's a struggle to not only find silence, but then to give yourself that gift, right? Sometimes I go on a long walk and I'm thinking, oh, this would be a great place to just have some silence and cruise around. And I've been doing that lately, but sometimes I just it's nice to listen to a podcast or listen to some music you love. And it may be harder to choose silence over, let's say, entertainment or education or information or whatever. But I've never regretted that choice when I choose to walk in silence and be alone with my thoughts. I get more breakthroughs, ideas. Things kind of come out of nowhere. It's a magical thing. So there's a challenge I issue to you at the end of this podcast. You can stick around for that. You're also going to hear my one of my favorite Norwegian words. And of course, we talk about silence and walking and travel and adventure and all this fun stuff. I did sit down in person with Arling. This was pre-COVID. I've been sitting on this interview for a while and I just needed to get it out there and I couldn't wait to bring it to you. So please enjoy my conversation with Arling Kaga and I will see you on the other side, my friend. I have the honor of sitting here with one of the world's most accomplished explorers here in his office in Oslo. It's a publishing company, Kaga Forlog, and we're surrounded by books. And I said, uh, when I came in, this is like I had died and gone to heaven or something, because I love to read. <laughs> we're going to talk about one of his books today and a lot more. I'm sitting here with Arling Kaga. Welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend.
1: Thank you, Jason. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Honored to have you here. So everybody just heard about some of the incredible expeditions you've done. And I'm wondering, just on the spectrum of adventures, where parenting ranks for you?
1: <laughs> uh, um, I think, you know, it's, a, it's um, you have the North Pole, the South Pole, and then the <laughs> Brits came up with a, Kind expression a third pole because you know, obviously, they didn't get to the North Pole, South Pole first, so yeah, they the third pole, <laughs> is that how it went down? Yeah, uh, I, mean, yeah th- I think that's the story, yeah. And uh, you know, to try to crack a joke, like to become a father is the fourth pole, oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> by far the easiest, the more, most pleasurable to achieve, but also the most demanding afterwards that's for sure because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you, you know, have three daughters right yeah. and you know an expedition kind of you know it starts maybe a year or two before you um actually go on the venture uh, you know with preparations and you are away for a month or four yeah or a year maybe if it's a sailing trip uh, and then you get back home and you do some work afterwards and then it's finished. Yeah. But with the daughters, I'm sure with sons too, but I haven't tried. It's kind of an ongoing venture. How old are they? Today they are 17, 20, and 23. Okay. So, I mean, I'm very happy yeah. by you know the way they're living. But, yeah. you know, as a parent, you're always a little bit worried.
0: So, you're entering a new phase in your life, kind of the empty nest, as we say in the States, where the, the kids are leaving and all of a sudden it's.
1: Yeah, some kind of surprise that. I miss my daughters as much as I do yeah Um, nobody's living home now the the youngest one is moving back home um, this summer Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah I think it's kind of strange to be alone in the house yeah yeah
0: Yeah, I'd imagine do you have any advice for me because I got two little ones I'm on the other end of it (laughs) you you know
1: all I can say it's you have some entertaining tough Um, challenging and loving years ahead.
0: Were they around or some of them around when you were doing some of these expeditions to the poles? Not to poles, no. But, uh, you know, I I kept on doing lots of outdoors. Yeah.
1: um, And they seem to love outdoors too, which is, you know, very satisfying for me because I think, you know, it's this huge misunderstanding today that you almost only have to relate to man-made environments. That's, of course, super naive. Um, Mother Earth is 4.5 billion years old. So the whole idea that you're not going to spend time in nature and listening to Mother Earth is um, very naive. So, you know, I really hope my daughters will develop, you know, a close relationship to nature. Maybe not as close as me or, you know, maybe even closer, but still, you know, just... Be aware that you know if you're going to explore the world, explore yourself. It's not sufficient to look onto a screen.
0: Yeah, it does tap into something else when you're in nature. I think, and uh, unfortunately, there's some people that they just grow up. They don't ever have the opportunity to say somebody growing up in New York City or something, and their parents just never take them out to experience. Yeah, nature. Yeah, but you
1: know we always use U.S. as that bad, bad example. But you know, if you look to England, for instance, um, as I write about in my book, walking. Five percent of kids in UK are not doing outdoors at all. Yeah, they inside almost all the time. They wow. Inside during the you know in a, uh, during school time, and then they go, you know get home and they inside all you know afternoon evening, and in the weekends. Yeah, us the parents say they understand it's not a good idea, but somehow they don't do anything about it. So you know you think about you know in society who's spending the least time doing outdoors and at least i was thinking that would be prisoners but most prisoners are will be out for one hour every day right and then you have all these kids that are either not outside at all or less than an hour
0: yeah it's one of the things i love about living in norway is the value that norwegians place on on nature you know taking my kids to the barnhaga which is the daycare I don't know how it is in the states because I haven't had that experience, but they they go out in all kinds of weather, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's I think that's
1: uh, quite Norwegian actually. Yeah, uh, this whole idea that uh, in kindergarten that kids spend so much time doing outdoors, and also as I say, if it's raining or if it's snowing, they also you know they still have to do you know outdoors. Yeah, and most parents you know find it's kind of a routine to send them with you know the clothes you need to do. Be outside most of the day, even when it's raining and snowing. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good side of Norway. Yeah. But when you look at adults, you know, in, or, in Norway, too, they, you know, they to a great extent
0: live their lives through screens. Yeah. We're going to talk a, a bit about that and your book, Silence in the Age of Noise, which I read and I said, oh, I got to. Arling's right in town. I got to come sit down and talk (laughs) to him about this. I know it sounds counterintuitive to talk about silence, but that's, uh, you know, this is a podcast. So (laughs) (laughs) on the parenting side, just one more question around that. When you started having children, I know like for me personally, I sort of became more cautious with my travels. I, I kind of started thinking, about the risks I took a little differently, and I'm just curious because you've done some extreme things, obviously, and I'm wondering if uh, that was uh, at all the same experience for you.
1: Um, one way, yes, because I think as a parent, obviously, you have a huge responsibility. Yeah. Also, to try to stay alive. But having said that, you know, it's you're also going to be a role model for your kids, and some of you need to follow your own path to f- try to fulfill some of your own potentials. So I wouldn't criticize people, you know, going on kind of extreme expeditions, although they have kids at home. Yeah. But in general, yes, of course, you know, at least for me, until I got kids, I felt like the most important human being on earth. And then, you know, it's really, really helped to become a father. And I'm sure it's also a mother because then you understand you're not the most important person on in the world yeah and you know obviously kids are more important than you and also many other things so uh for me that was an important lesson and of mm. course that's also kind of influence your priorities and your choices in life
0: yeah there is a line right like you kind of mentioned it's y- you still want to live true to yourself because that inspires them in a way yeah. you know the actions speak louder than words yeah kind of thing yeah I said earlier, I was joking, I wasn't going to make you sit through all your accomplishments here in a long introduction, <laughs> but you know what you've done, and, and everybody listening does because I, I, I went through them. But when you hear somebody read off the things that you've done, like what, what kind of images or memories or things come into your head? I don't think too much about what
1: that um, has been, yeah, in general. for many years, I hardly spoke about my Expeditions at all because yeah. I was so fed up. People tend to ask you, you know, is it very cold at the North Pole? <laughs> uh, that kind of questions, which you know, uh, you know. But I'm not laughing because I think it's kind of, you know, I, I'm also very happy people are interested, right? That's true. Learning about asking the questions, but of course, when you have the same questions many, many, many times for yeah. a long period, it's you get, you know, fed up. Yeah, for sure. But today, I changed my attitude. Actually, I um, I'm thinking back on those years and somehow they're still going on you know I'm very happy about what I did and I'm also proud of what you know what I did so um, yeah but you know in daily life um, I have a busy job Uh, we talked about family Um, I'm writing books Uh, I'm very much into contemporary art so I don't have that much you know time or energy to think about what has been
0: Mm. yeah How much has your relationship to travel changed, just travel in general? Was that always something you were interested in, or was it just a byproduct of having to go on these expeditions so you needed to travel?
1: I always like to, you know, uh, move. I think, you know, we're all, you know, we were born, we're always, you know, every kid is wondering what's hidden beyond the horizon. Right. And I think every kid would like to have more space around herself or himself. So I think that's how we're born and of course you know it's also in our language that you know when we move we're being moved and emotion emotion so we have the same in uh, norwegian and you have the same in uh, sanskrit so this is something deep among humans that mm. we know somehow we need to we need to move and we need to explore
0: yeah do you still still feel the need to move? Having Absolutely. Been, yeah? Absolutely. Like when was your last trip? Do you still travel extensively in that way? Oh, or is it a bit different? I
1: wouldn't extensively, but you know um although it's hard to f- see any snow in oslo you know just now in this winter Yeah, this I've, winter's been crazy huh I, f- I found some snow yesterday you did <laughs> whereabouts can you tell <laughs> me cross, cross country in Mulla, <laughs> and uh, you know the northern side of uh, Nordmarka. okay and cross country skied for a few hours nice fantastic this morning i walked to the office beautiful some of the secrets to have a good life is to keep your pleasure simple right and um obviously i didn't come up with that ad- advice it's um advice that has been, you know, going on for a few thousand years. I think, you know, any advice that uh, lasted for more than 1,000 years, we should take seriously.
0: Yeah, that's good (laughs) advice. Traveling around and then, like you said, just enjoying the simple pleasures, not being on the move as much and understanding for me that, wow, maybe, you know, traveling, like how much, what percentage of it is more of a mindset of like, hey, I'm walking to the office today I'm I'm on like a little adventure now, you know, just enjoying the present moment. You can almost get that same feeling that you have when you're kind of moving in and in a, in a new place if you're in the right mindset. Yeah, yeah for me. absolutely.
1: I think you know it's very much come down to yourself. I think some of the biggest mysteries, you know, you know, in the world will you will always be in your own backyard. Yeah. So, uh, but of course, you know, that's very old story that you know, people traveling, sailing the oceans, climbing the mountains walking far, cross-country skiing far away. And eventually, when you return back home, you find some of the answers to the questions you asked yourself Yeah, before you started on the right. adventure. That's, you know, I think that's quite often how great stories end. <laughs> I always like the saying, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah, exactly. You know? And, you know, <laughs> it's a uh, paradise is where I am, as Milton wrote. And I think that's a very good kind of, you know, idea. That paradise is not ahead of you, or, nor in the past, but you know somehow paradise is where you are, or can be where you are.
0: What do you like about walking? I love to walk.
1: It's easy to forget, but you know some of the greatest pleasures in life are for free. The bo- most important things in life don't have any lasting forms, and I think walking is a good example uh, to show that. You know, it's it's you can do it for free and it doesn't have a lasting form it's beautiful it's uh, great for your mind it's also good great for your body Uh, and it's even good for the environment it's also like a time machine in in the sense that when you walk you're extending time and in the sense that if you drive if you have a high speed somehow you're narrowing in time Uh, you're not experiencing anything uh, you hardly see anything, you don't smell anything, you don't hear anything. While when you walk, uh, the world is opening up, you're extending the time. Walking is a time machine. <laughs> maybe I was not that clear on this, so it's kind of like this morning when I, as I write about in walking, you know, it's I had to make a choice. I can drive to the city. It will take me maybe, in my case, 12, 13, 14 minutes, depend, depending on traffic and traffic lights and I can take the metro which will take me maybe 16 17 18 minutes or I can walk uh, which takes me 32 35 minutes and then it's easy to think that I will save time by driving Uh, and of course that's mathematically is correct Uh, but life is not about mathematics because when I walk I actually you know I see many people. It's great for people watching. I uh, see buildings. I feel the weather. This morning was raining a little bit. It's refreshing. I'm also kind of slowly moving from my home to my office, kind of changing the attitude. I'm not stressed at all. So in that sense, you know, life feels so much longer. It sometimes moves slower. So in that sense also, like... When you move slow, uh, life feels long. And when you move very quickly all the time and doing the same things, you know, from day to day, life feels short.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's true. I mean, if you're uh, always in a hurry, you're to get from point A to B, you're not. Paying attention to the to the middle part, right? <laughs> exactly, and you
1: know, and and and, and then I feel short, but also it's a huge misunderstanding that, like you know, everybody says today, I'm so busy, I'm stressed, I'm busy, uh, I'm not able to do everything I'm supposed to do, uh, blah blah blah, and you know, that's mostly not fully, but mostly I think at least a great part based upon a misunderstanding, because. Just an example: uh, People, young people today, will spend around four hours every day uh, doing social media. And average age in Norway today is like eighty-four years or something. And that means that you will spend thirteen years of your life, day and night, on social media. And you know, so no wonder. Thirteen if you, years. Thirteen years, yeah. So at least you know, eighty-four years and four hours a day. Um, So it's, you know, which again means that, you know, it's no wonder you feel busy. And uh, no wonder you feel life is short
0: because you're wasting your time. Do you consider yourself spiritual in some way? Are some of these attitudes spiritually influenced from something or philosophically Uh, influenced? uh, Yeah,
1: philosophically for sure. I'm not a philosopher, but I write philosophical about, as you said, about silence and walking and, and it's also certainly has a spiritual side i think walking has you know it's very meditative and silence of course have because um, in the great religions at least some of them you know um, you will meet god in silence god doesn't come with thunder or heavy storms and floods god appears in silence and if you don't believe in god you know at least you will meet yourself in silence and that's of course one of the reasons people avoid silence most of the time because it is a bit difficult noise is about living through your devices and living through other people while silence is about getting to know yourself and that's you know to me has a
0: spiritual side i mean it's a good time to kind of talk about your book silence in the age of noise which i loved I mean, I think you're the perfect person to talk to about this because I don't know anybody, or I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who spent, was it fifty or fifty-five Fif- days? Fifty days and nights. Fifty days and nights when you did your South Pole yeah. expedition. No, no talking. Didn't you weren't in communication with anybody? No. I don't think I've gone uh, maybe half a day with not hearing somebody or myself talk. <laughs> I've never been to a silent retreat or anything, but I'm I'm interested in that. This is a very unique perspective that you, I don't know how many people in the world you can find to talk to about, about this, that has had that experience for that length of time. You know, what do you hear when you hear silence?
1: I, I, I talk to my kids, whenever kids or teenagers, yeah. um, about silence and try tried to, tried, you know, to kind of explain this to them. And they said, you know, silence is nothing. And of course, that idea is something like also philosophers, like, you know, I think most philosophers, hardly any philosophers have written about silence, at Mm -hmm. least not Western, sorry, Western philosophers have written about silence. And because, you know, they think silence is nothing. And of course, first year, when you study philosophy, you learn nothing comes from nothing. But, you know, that's another misunderstanding because silence is something. Venture into silence, you know, silence starts to speak to you. Um, Not with words, but, you know, it's like when you're up to nature, uh, which is my experience. I'm sure you can have it other places too, but my experience is that when you're up to nature, even if you don't, you know, you don't have to be like me out there for days and weeks and, and months by yourself, but only for a few hours, uh, without holding a device in your hands and then you know you slowly start to communicate with the environment with the silence are sending some ideas out to get all the thoughts back again uh, and it's not kind of you know a dialogue with words it's more like experiencing and uh, emotions ideas the silence will tell you the truth about the world and about yourself
0: so, did you feel a difference in your energetic body or something like having gone so many days in silence uh, or your connection with nature or something like, was there some experience along that way that you've not been able to replicate since then because it was so many days or?
1: Yeah, but not replicate fully, but you know, somehow you can never, you know, it's, it's every, a unique every experience is you know new every time you have it yeah um, so you know just like with walking if you and I walk out to this office and down the street next to each other you walk will be different from mine right but yes you know that particular expedition taught me a great lesson on uh, on the importance of silence and how also silence can be your best friend and also you know it's thinking It's easy to think about silence as, you know, a way to live an even more egocentric life. To me, uh, silence is the opposite. Silence is about seeing the world in a different perspective. It's about opening up. It's about uh, loving the earth and other humans even more. Silence also, you know, taught me to respect other people to a greater extent. It's open to be more curious about other people.
0: Mm. It's strange how certain ideas just come out of nowhere when you give yourself space for them. Yeah, exactly. You know? So
1: you know it's it's just by, you know, you doing the dishes at home, you get find this inner silence. And suddenly so a great ap- idea appears. It does. Yeah. From maybe sometimes it feels like it appears from nowhere. Where is that coming from? Exactly. Where do so you where
0: do you think that's coming from? You know, it's
1: already there.
0: Yeah, okay. You're just giving yourself space yeah. for it to Yeah. Kind so. of like the Michelangelo carving. Have you heard that, you know, he said no. that David was already in the marble block. He just had to take away the extra ah, exactly. to reveal it. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly yeah. I didn't hear, you know, exactly that that's how it is. So I think, you know, it's
1: at least that's a way to look at it. It's like, you know, you're not you know,
0: all the ideas that are coming to you are already there waiting for you. You said in your ted talk uh, quote i believe in making life more complicated than it needs to be yeah and i'm just wondering why it's that some of it sounds conflicting with some of what we're talking about in a way but i think you meant it in a different way so i'm just curious if you could talk about that statement Yeah, no,
1: i i i think you know it's somehow you have to make your life more difficult than necessary <laughs> Get out of your comfort zone in, in that yeah, way. But yeah. But of course, you know, if I if I was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, I would probably think differently about it because, you know, then, you know, the daily challenges are to, kind of would be probably right. be too You're overwhelming. Coming at it from a Western yeah, perspective. Exactly. Yeah. But it's uh, also because, you know, I'm born in Norway, which is a very privileged so- society. And, uh, and um, if you only, you know, choose the most. Easiest option every day. Uh, I think you will live a very dull life, and of course, you will also live an unfree life because it kind of predestined what you're going to do throughout the day. So, as a Norwegian, I think you know it's you wake up in the morning, and uh, throughout the day, uh, you should make life you know s- slightly more difficult choices than you have to do. Uh, not all the time, of course, but you know you get up have breakfast, are you going to walk to the office or are you going to take a car to the office? So you walk to the office, slightly more difficult. <laughs> and that's how it goes throughout the day yeah. and you will have a richer life. And again, as I said earlier on, you know, your life will feel so much longer. So today I'm 57 years old, so I, you know, I go to 60th, 70th, 80th birthdays and people keep on talking about life being short. Uh, all these days, weeks and years, they didn't really understand that was life. And that's a bit sad because you know they had this one huge rich opportunity to live a great life, and then they kind of partly wasted it.
0: What are some things you're doing now to make to make life more difficult? <laughs> I think you know it's 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 a sense that
1: to move uh, by yourself instead of you know. Of course, I drive sometimes. You know, take an airplane, but you know, try to move uh, physically as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, sp- try to spend time in nature. Uh, when I read a book, I tr- you know I try to read a kind of a difficult book, p- book that kind of challenging f- for me to get. I try to cook food instead of you know, pre-ordered you know take takeaway food. All right. Sometimes you know I probably should do it more often. Listening to music, I find difficult to um, grasp. I'm trying to work hard, uh, you know, uh, not mainly because I would like to have the money, but because, you know, it's, I find great satisfaction in being a publisher to, 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 to publish great books and try to sell as many of them as possible afterwards. So, you know, it's, all this is about making life a little bit more difficult than it has to be.
0: Yeah, being an entrepreneur is difficult. <laughs> yeah, but also, <laughs> you know, you
1: walk to the South Pole. Should you do it together with other people? Should you do it with dogs? Should you talk on the radio every evening or telephone every evening? No, you know, you do it by yourself and not having any communication. And, you know, in one way, that's more difficult. I have to add, it's more difficult, you know, to walk alone to the South Pole without talking to anyone. Yeah. But on the other hand, I have to say, um, every other solo expedition I hear about, I'm I'm sure it's some exceptions, but in general, uh, the person will have a satellite phone uh, with him or her, and they will call back home every evening. And you will talk to your wife or your husband or boy or, or girlfriend, and hopefully, you know, they will say I love you, and you will say I love you too, and this will go be going on days after days, weeks after weeks, and eventually, your partner back home will say um, the washing machine broke down today, and you know then you might as well just go home. Because all you want on expedition at least is to get away from civilization. Yeah. You would like to live a different life, you would like to follow your own path, you would like to focusing on putting one leg in front of the other. You would like to be a part of the nature. And then you know if you're going to talk to your partner, you know, it's a nice idea, but you know not for me. Yeah. So in that sense, to make a more difficult choice was also, also for me a more enriching, a better choice. Mm
0: part of the book's title is In the Age of Noise, so I have to ask you about your advice or maybe what you do to find some silence in this crazy, <laughs> loud, ever-distracting world that we live in. You know, practically speaking, is are there things that you do uh, to give yourself that inner space? Yes, you know, it's I, I think most people
1: in the world underestimate themselves and the possibilities they have in life. Obviously, some are overestimating themselves, but I'm at thousands of people around the earth and that's my conclusion yeah and they also underestimate themselves in terms of finding inner silence because you know you can't wait for silence to come to you so somehow you need to invent your own silence and you need to search for the silence within yourself when you live in a city like we do you know it's always some noise yeah so you have to search for your own inner silence which is a silence, which is there all the time, waiting for you. And um, you know, on a daily basis, when I'm busy with work, uh, family, I find it when I wake up in the morning. I find it when I'm doing taking a shower. Uh, sometimes when I cook uh, porridge for, um, I eat kind of the same breakfast every day as I do on expeditions. I uh, oat porridge. And then, as I said, if I walk to the office, even if on the metro, I can find some inner silence. Yeah. Uh, when I get into this office building, I try to walk the stairs to find some you know inner silence and to move. And if I'm a bit stressed sometimes, you know I try to walk backwards up the stairs, oh, obviously yeah. when people don't see me because then at least I can totally focus on what I'm doing, not mm. thinking about you know when you think you think about the past or you think about the future, uh, and it's nice sometimes not to think to find this inner silence, just to experience. Yeah, Hard and
0: thing to do, not to think.
1: Yeah, but you know, it's kind of, if you walk backwards up the stairs, you have to have a total focus on not falling over. Yeah, And then at least you're present in the moment. Um, and then, you know, throughout the whole day. And of course, if you have some great sex, you find some inner silence, and then you find silence again when you cook dinner. And if you do the dishes, you find some inner silence. Maybe you do a little walk, or you read a book, you find some inner silence. And then again you go to bed you find some inner silence. So you know it's not that complicated. It's not too far away. But of course, you know, it's for you had two small kids, it's more difficult <laughs> than
0: it is for me. But you know, it's not impossible. Coming over here I did did that exactly that in the metro. I was pretty inspired by the the John Gage Cage. Was it Cage or Gage? Example. Cage. Cage yeah, he's a composer who um did a a 4 minute and 33 second piece which was just silence and i was reading about him on wikipedia after getting introduced to that piece through your book and one of the things he said was that you know he believed that that was one of his most important works and that um everything is is music right so i'd I loved that this was a piece of music that he yeah. said on the subway over here on the And i was thinking okay i'm just i'm just gonna find some inner silence on on the way over to meet eiling and I'm also going to listen to the music that's going on around me. <laughs> Which was, in that case, a lot of kids from Barnahaga yeah. on tour. And <laughs> It's a great piece. I mean, it's, it's, uh, if anyone is
1: curious about it, just look at John Cage yeah. 433 at YouTube and see how the whole concert is going on. Yeah. Uh, stage, full orchestra. Nobody's playing. And then you have all this you know, small, you know, different sounds, noise
0: among the audience. Yeah. For four minutes and thirty-three seconds, it's a great piece. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, you said in the book that silence is the new luxury, and I agree. You know, like you said, we can find ways to to discover it within ourselves, but to find quiet places, uh, you know, out in nature, certainly a possibility, but um, it's becoming harder and harder. I think with the smartphones and all of the distractions. And there is a level of intimacy in silence that's easy to avoid, right? Like if you sit in silence with somebody and just make eye contact for yeah. five minutes, it can st- feel like a long stretch of time.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's this. I am writing about the book, this actually a scientific experiment about falling in love, uh, which I think ex- exemplifies it in a great way. If you look into, you go on a date. And you ask some questions about the other person. Of course, everybody likes to speak about themselves. Uh, And you're kind of understanding, and and the same person asks you kind of the same questions, and you got to talk about yourself, get to know each other a little bit. And then you have to look into the other person's eyes for five minutes. Yeah. In silence and then the likelihood of you falling in love with the other person is increasing dramatically. Mm. So, you know, I actually tried it,
0: and its I think it's true. Yeah, I've done that in a workshop. They called it authentic relating, which is okay. you just uh, – there was people in a circle, and they were facing out, and then a bigger circle – or uh, I guess the same amount of people on the outside circle facing in, and one part of the circle would move, and you would just spend two, two or three minutes – looking into somebody's eyes yeah. not speaking then the next person and the next person and it was really interesting to see Ah, I've heard about this yeah, yeah how much you could learn from somebody you could learn from their maybe their spirit or their soul or or who they were beneath the the everyday stuff just by spending three minutes yeah, yeah. looking into their eyes you know it's it's
1: it, I love birds but you know we, we just exaggerate kind of you know how far birds get us yeah you know it's so many interesting things that are you know unsaid and are not you know supposed to be expressed by words that's also why you know in a relationship if you have a partner yeah at least my experience is that if i need to explain everything to my girlfriend you know it's unbearable (laughs)
0: <laughs> you're like some, just look into my eyes for five yeah, minutes <laughs> yeah, but somehow you know
1: it's i think you know some of the greatest things in life are you know beyond words
0: yeah you can't put word. i mean words only do the job so so much yeah. right you know, you We for, say, we forget that i yeah, think
1: of course you can say i love you you're beautiful blah 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 all the yeah. usual stuff but somehow you know you end up on the quoting Barbara Cartland with all those words. So So you need to kind of express it in your own way. Yes. Yeah. Mm.
0: Uh, Was it challenging for you? I'm just going to switch gears a little bit to the publishing business that you run, Kaga Forlog. I hope I'm pronouncing that Mm. correctly, which is uh, one of the more successful publishing companies here in Norway. Was it hard to go from kind of the expeditions and the traveling and the adventuring and, and things like that to running a business, becoming a businessman, essentially?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say it was hard. Uh, I was kind of open for it. Um, You know, I didn't give up doing outdoors. I just kind of took a long break uh, from expeditions. Yeah. And, you know, you need variety in life. And as I said, you should fulfill your own potential. So I just felt for doing something else. I had to because my girlfriend got pregnant and I needed an income. And I also needed you know, a different life and want to buy a home for my family um, and I want an interesting job. So I started this publishing company and uh, I really like the, uh, you know, combination of intellectual challenges throughout the day with trying to have a commercial mind so you're able to pay your offers, your employees and uh, and yourself.
0: Yeah. What has uh, entrepreneurship taught you about yourself
1: uh you know it's to me it's kind of you know same principles as organizing an expedition it very much comes down to uh, preparations i kind of didn't doubt that i had you know kind of the intellectual or commercial mind necessary to make a publishing company uh create it but you know it's but you know you learn something every day and you'll definitely learn something about your own limitations and which I think is very healthy and, but you also learn about other people you learn about ideas, you learn about literature eventually you learn a lot about yourself because obviously as it says in Tennyson's uh, Ulysses we are a part of all that we have met publishing is great because
0: um, every day is new what are some of the books that have influenced you in the most in your life
1: you know if you have a pet you have a favorite pet i had a cat for many years unfortunately she got sick mm. and it's not with us anymore uh but that was my favorite animal uh by far still is but you know i don't have the same loyalty to literature uh yeah. changes quite frequently but the two first books i remember i read was one biography on albert schweitzer who was uh he's forgotten today but he was uh medical doctor and uh, he was playing the organ he was playing Bach uh, in Germany but then he gave up that career and went to uh, Africa to you know work as a doctor and make the life make the world a much better place to be. He wanted to change the world. Um, even a mouse can eat an elephant if it takes small portions. so he really made an effort by changing his life to do good and help as many people as possible. And he also had some kind of basic philosophy about, you know, respect for life, deep respect for life, about loving life, which, you know, I read when I was like 10 years old. I was very dyslexic, so it took me a long time to learn how to read. And then I read Papillon. You remember Papillon? Uh, About his uh, French prisoners escaping prison, like they send him to Devil's Island on... um, the Northeast Coast of South um, America. He was uh, convicted for murder. Uh, French guy. He was sent there, and this book is about his escapes from the prison Papillon. Mm. Fantastic mm-hmm. book. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's presented as a non-fiction book. He probably meant a few, you know, details himself, but it's a uh, it's a great book. Yeah. And of course, I, I heavily identified with uh, Papillon. You know, the b- butterfly in French was his nickname. About you know how he tried to and eventually succeeded by escaping from prison
0: hmm. I love that we're surrounded by books right now, it yeah. makes me feel I think, good you know, it's, it's this, very, whole,
1: this whole idea that you know we should have libraries yeah. without physical books because you had everything online streaming literature read it on your book on your device blah 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 you know of course it can work sometimes but you know the beauty of books and the physicality of book bu- books the the design of books you know the feeling that you kind of go reading through the books and i also write notes in the books i read it's beautiful yeah and that's why you know older people but also young people today you know they love physical books and you know I like streaming too, but you know it's. Uh, I even like it even more than I can actually read a book.
0: I do love my Kindle for traveling. I must yeah, say, yeah, exactly. But, but you see,
1: the market for Kindle is, you know, it's not growing anymore. No, but uh, streaming is growing, and it's going to keep on growing. And maybe somehow, you know, a new device is invented, and you know, even more people, you know, do books online, which as a publisher is great because, of course, you would like to dis- have a great distribution. But you know. I think, you know, in 100 years' time, people still read books on paper.
0: Oh, yeah. I hope so. I mean, yeah. there's something about it. It must be satisfying for you to, to know, all right, I'm going to publish a book. That this thing comes into existence. It's a physical object that you can then hold at, at a certain point. Absolutely. And then that can be shared, and these ideas are shared, yeah. and it's uh, it must be satisfying in, yeah. in that way, knowing yeah. you're putting more ideas out into the world you're known for all these accomplishments and you know you've been in a lot of interviews and all the things that we've been talking about today uh what are some things or what is something that most people don't know about you uh
1: you know it's i think every, or are you just an
0: open book so to speak I think every human <laughs> has this idea
1: that you know the whole world only knows me by 10 or 20 percent and everything else <laughs> is even more interesting and uh i remember i read this interview when I was a kid by a Novitl pop star, and he said, People think they know me. You know, he's a super celebrity in Norway. Yeah. but They only know 10% of me. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And of course, that's the thing with everybody, I guess. You know, yeah. it's, but I think in my case, I think, you know, um, what I talk about is the most, in general, most interesting things about myself. It's uh, most of my life is, you know, I think quite close to many other people's lives. Uh, so it's not that interesting to tell. (laughs) But of course, you know, in general, I live a privileged life because, you know, I walk, I have silence, I uh, have an interesting job, um, I have kids, I have a girlfriend, so I'm a very lucky guy. And I think, you know, the secret if you are as fortunate as me is to, Be aware that you are lucky. Yeah. Because you see all this, you know, fortunate people, privileged people who are complaining all the time. In Norway, people are complaining more than ever. Yeah. So I think, you know, it's it's just be aware that you are lucky. And uh, I think many people are lucky, but,
0: uh, you know, don't forget it. Yeah. I think if silence had a best friend, it would probably be gratitude, right?
1: Gratitude is the
0: thing. I Isn't think, that you know, the thing that seeps in ultimately? Yeah, I was
1: actually considering writing an essay book on, uh, on gratitude because I think that's one of the most underestimated feelings you can have. Mm. Schadenfreude, what you call it in English? Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude? Mm. The, German, the German, you know, enjoy other people's failures. Okay. that's the most stupid feeling i can you can have i think we all have it but that's something you should try to avoid uh, while gratitude i think it's you know one of the most beautiful feelings and meaningful you know feelings you can have
0: yeah to me this is something that just if i'm taking a long walk it's the thing that inevitably kind of comes into into silence it is a beautiful thing uh, let's talk about writing really quick uh, you've mm-hmm. written many books how do you like the writing process what do you what do you like about it? Um, I like it because it's difficult. Uh, <laughs> you like difficult things, that's
1: true. Yeah. And uh, to write well is super difficult. And I also like it because when I write a book like "Walking in Silence," silence, I feel that that I have something really important to say. Yeah, and I'm not say, thinking I'm writing a, you know something totally new. But I put things into a different perspective because I use my own experiences. Mm-hmm. That makes it great to write. Yeah. And then again, you know, it's really tiring to write. It's very time-consuming. And all of my books, uh, also my next book, Philosophy for Polar Explorers, they're all, you know, they're very thin books. But, you know, I spend a year and a half or something to write those few words.
0: Yeah. It's so time-intensive. There's nothing worse than when you sit down to the blank screen and you can't really get it going, <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> that's it, that's me every time I sit yeah, down to and write. You then check a, your phone on, you know, et cetera. Right. You're gone. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> you're done. <laughs> what is something that you're scared of? Or, uh, on a daily basis, uh, nothing. Yeah, Now we sit in silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. it was you know, one of know,
1: the- to be scared is one thing, you know, it's, I'm always worried about things. I said, you know, I was worried about my daughter's well-being. I'm always worried about my business because I have a huge responsibility for employees, uh, authors, yep. everybody related to the company. Yep. I'm always worried when I'm, you know, when I'm dealing with my, you know, art collection, i collect like contemporary art i'm always worried about you know something but it's but to be scared like you know that's not a great feeling because that kind of makes you irrational uh you don't think that clearly uh so i think you know of course you can be scared about things but it's not a great thing
0: to be yeah. scared i think maybe different than worrying like you I said I
1: war is kind of you know you should be worried yeah. There's many things to keep be worried on, about. Keeps keep on the edge, right? <laughs> wor- I think, you know, it's on a bigger base, you know, scale. I'm worried about how nuclear bombs are having a revival in the world. I think that's super worrying. To right. me, it's even, you know, you worried about climate change for sure. Uh, but to me, it's, you know, this whole idea that you had short-range nuclear bombs, you know, that the industry is growing but, you know, it's hard to have more than one great worry in your head at a the time. There's
0: many things to worry about, right? Exactly. All so, the time.
1: so, to me, I think, you know, this whole, you know, what's happening now from a Norwegian perspective, the start of the Russia, you know, starting again to develop and uh, start to, you know, prepare short-range nuclear missiles, that's very worrying.
0: Yeah. Before I let you go, just a couple more things. Mm-hmm. Um what attracted you to collecting art? I mean, there's a lot of things you can collect, right? You can collect record yeah. albums, you can collect. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's
1: again, it's difficult. It's I collect cutting-edge contemporary art, which is super difficult because art historians haven't really agreed if it's great art or not, or if the artist is great. And uh, I really like that, to go, you know, search into the kind of most unexplored end of the art world, you know, yeah. the art that was made yesterday or last month mm.
0: how do you know when it's time to move on from something whether it's like a book's finished like you were going to transition your life to owning a business or uh may- maybe it's something that you've worked on for a while and now you're giving it up how do you know when it's time to you know you don't really know i think as an explorer you know i learned the hard way nobody knows uh
1: anything for sure and it's, it's again about you know can be rational about it, but it's more like about as you know, with feelings, as I said earlier. Intuition, on. you mean, intuition, or intuition, but you know, intuition based upon you know, some knowledge and experiences. But it's, um, but, um, in on those matters, you know, I try to avoid to think too much, yeah. I say, again because you know, thinking is quite often overrated, not all the time, of course, but you know, I've I'm more into experiencing, kind of feeling uh, what's going on, and quite often I'm not making a great decision. I just kind of slowly move, move on, and try to follow my own path. You know, swamarga as I say in Sanskrit. You know, you should follow your own path.
0: I love those words that encapsulate like a whole sentence or idea. Yeah. you know, it's like one yeah. word and it exactly exists. exactly, <laughs> just and means that's a, a whole bunch of stuff. And
1: Sanskrit, you know, it's I only know a few words but my old friend S the philosopher who has been very very important in my life and also using my books because I had this idea I should you know try to have a little renaissance for the philosopher S because he was w- really one of the great philosophers I think you know in his time and uh, he used a lot of sanskrit yeah. to express his ideas more like universal ideas and he also t- tried to you know make me Learn some Sanskrit so we could have a dialogue in Sanskrit, but um, talking about making life difficult <laughs> was too difficult for me. <laughs>
0: Do you have a, a favorite word like that that's just represents a whole idea? Or something? Uh, you know, not a favorite, you know, but
1: kind of a word, as I remember, no, you know, like gata uh, in Sanskrit. Uh, gata, you know, it's, Means walking in Sanskrit. Yeah. Go, which is a very similar word in Norwegian, uh, means walking too. In Sanskrit, it not, not only means walking, but it also also means getting to know, getting to understand. Yeah. So you know that again is reflected the language. If we're going to explore the world, you need to move physically. You need yeah. to kind of really feel what you are exploring. Mm. Of course, you could do it on a, on a computer too, but traditionally for the last three hundred thousand years exploration has been about moving doing things physically
0: i love that you know my my favorite word like that in Norwegian region that's totally non-philosophical mm-hmm. on the practical side paw leg because it's just like <laughs> yeah, anything you leg. can <laughs> put anything you can put on top of a bread like yeah, yeah. this is paul egg i'm yeah, just gonna exactly. throw this on top yeah. of this yeah. bread this is fantastic and all this
1: poor egg almost you know <laughs> what to put on the bread that yeah. you buy in the supermarket almost tastes the same i yeah. think <laughs> If you buy some salami or if you buy strawberry jam, it almost tastes yeah. the same. It's
0: just anything on the yes. table can yeah. be poly. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Throw yeah. it on yeah.
1: some bread. That's yeah. that's. Great. I actually have to admit I'm um, eating mostly, you know, I make a lot of, you know, I eat. I make my own jam. Yeah, I oh, do. And uh, it's, you know, it's very, very simple. And it tastes beautiful. Yeah. Because all this jam you buy in the store, you know, it's mostly sh**. Yeah. <laughs> Not a fan. <laughs> Not a fan, and it, as I said, you know, it, it tastes just like you know, it's salam. If it tastes like blueberries, you know, its uh, jam it tastes the same. Yeah. It's like you know, exclusive cognacs. I with my girlfriend yesterday. We had some. We had a glass of whiskey, and I said I really like this whiskey because you know it tastes like liquor. Yeah, and uh, quite often now you you know it's uh, liquor doesn't taste like liquor anymore. You know, it's so much. Okay, now I'm talking about something I don't know much No, about. that's okay. But I mean, uh, like a flavor,
0: like it'd be like a the blueberry, like blueberry, exactly. blueberry whiskey the thing is, thing or something. Is, it's thing thing. like, you know,
1: everything is so perfumed. Right. And, you know, made for you to like it. Yeah. yeah. And not giving you any resistance. Everything should be
0: sweet and aroma and, you know, that's not to me. Um, yeah, for whiskey, it took me a while to appreciate, you know, Liquor, get, to, you you know, to get past should, the burn wish, and then you're like, wi- wait a
1: minute. Whiskey should also have, you know, taste a little bit awful. It should be rough on you. <laughs> it
0: should not be too smooth. That's scotch yeah. for me. I, I prefer bourbon. Uh, scotch is a little... Yeah, yeah exactly. Too bourbon. You know, Yankees like bourbon. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> that's that's true. Well, you go to America quite often, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: not to drink bourbon. No, but is that for um, is that
0: for work? You go... Yeah,
1: but I'm, I'm not separating work and um, all this stuff. To me, it's no. lifestyle. So if I go to the States, yeah, you know, I talk about my books. I meet some publishers. I'm my own pub- publisher for sure if it's New York. I do some outdoors. I least some hiking, some exploration. I meet hopefully some interesting people, eat some great f- food, drink some interesting stuff. Yeah, do you have some
0: spots this. around the world that you feel at home in when you go? In, in the same way, that almost, that you you, you feel know. say You
1: know, I think Daniel Defoe, he wrote that if you have money in your pocket, you are at home anywhere. And it's a good attitude, I think. You don't even need money in your pocket if you're, you know, of the nature. But in the city, it's sure nice to have. But then I think, you know, you can be at home anywhere. It's an mm-hmm. attitude thing,
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh, last question, what would be your advice to somebody listening to this and maybe they're, you know, thinking about traveling or getting out there and exploring or maybe even doing... Um, Some kind of expedition that may be, you know, something that's out of their comfort zone, even if it's not, they're the first person to do X, Y, or Z. What kind of uh, advice do you share? You should do it. (laughs) Simple as that. I think
1: it's, uh, as I said, it's so easy to underestimate yourself and the possibilities in your life and uh, I remember Arne Ness the philosopher I mentioned he was asked again and again by people you know how should I you know do my life how should I prioritize things you know what should I do to have a meaningful life and he said in Norwegian he said stopo which in English kind of translates into you know get to act together and Mm -hmm. try to do some of the stuff you're dreaming about doing
0: yeah and I'm going to throw out a challenge to everybody listening to uh, spend some time in silence today. Maybe something like if you usually take your phone out while, while you're on your commute or something, like don't take it out. Maybe something like that. Or or spend a few minutes staring into your partner's eyes. Yeah, it's, it's really eyes. strange how five minutes can do a big difference. Yeah. So the book again is silence in the age of noise. And do you have uh, like a website or anything you pe- want people to, you want to share or just uh, <laughs> find it where books are? I'm not big on you know it's uh, I'm not anti technology,
1: but I'm mm-hmm. not big on it. So it's uh, I think you know everything I can say that
0: makes sense you will find in my books. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, when I'm in person, I usually like to high-five it out, if you don't <laughs> mind. Yeah. <laughs> that was so fun. Thanks uh, Thanks again. Super duper. <laughs> Goal to it. <laughs> there you have it. Thank you so much to Arling for letting me stop by his headquarters, the publishing company's HQ, sit in that incredible room full of books. By the way, if you want to see... A picture of us together. You can always go on zero to travel.com. You can find all the shows there, the archives and other juicy travel information for you. If you haven't signed up yet over at zero to travel.com, sign up for the email list. We got some exciting workshops coming up, online gatherings, different things that you will not hear about if you're just listening to the podcast, that you have to be on the email list for. So I'd love to keep in touch with the community there. And thank you for being a part of this listening community my friend. It's always an honor that people download this podcast and listen to it and it still blows me away to this day. And this is a community powered show, 10,000%. I'm here for you. So if you ever have any suggestions, you want to share any advice or guest recommendations, or you just want to share your story, you can always drop me a line. Jason at zero to is my email address. I'm going to give a shout out to somebody in the community before I let you go. This is a kind review I got from Marina the Trader Chick, she calls herself in quote air quotes. She said, "I love how they don't just take one segment of travel and run with it. There's a little bit of something for people interested in different things like quick vacations, long-term travel, becoming an expat, etc. It's super entertaining to hear what they have to say and to compare it to previous experiences." So thank you and Clarissa Gomez who said awesome podcast. Uh, Jason hosted the Zero Travel Podcast, highlights all aspects of travel, nomad life, and more in this can't miss podcast. Thank you, hosts and guests offer insightful advice and information that's helpful to anyone that listens. So, uh, uh, there was another one before that it said "Weekly Travel Fix." That was a nice headline. So, hey, I might be hinting at a little something here. If you like this podcast and you haven't left me a review yet, I, you know, every once in a while it's nice to ask for one of those. I'm not, I'm not pushing it on you. I'm not saying you have to do it, but when I go to record this thing and I'm, I'm kind of going through the feed and, and doing podcast work, it sure is nice to get those reviews from the community or uh, any emails as well. If you have the time and inclination and you enjoyed the show, go ahead and do that. You'll be making my day. <laughs> and I hope this show today made your day or made a part of your day that much better. What a pleasure uh, to bring you this conversation. I had so much fun and uh, continuing to just feel so much gratitude, and today I'm going to take a little walk in silence. I hope you do the same. Now, I am going to leave you with a quote from Arling, our guest today. It's about silence, of course. He said... I believe it's possible for everyone to discover this silence within themselves. It is there all the time, even when we are surrounded by constant noise. Deep down in the ocean, below the waves and ripples, you can find your internal silence. Standing in the shower, letting the water wash over your head, sitting in front of a crackling fire, swimming across a forest lake, or taking a walk over a field, all these can be experiences of perfect stillness, too. I love that. I also love that quote. <laughs> so I'll leave you with that. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy some silence. And I will see you next time. Cheers, my friend.
1: This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.